Hi, I'm Sung Ray. I'm something else. Here, Black Girl Soul, a podcast where we discuss the Asian dramas we love from a Black female perspective. We are looking to be entertained, to learn about other cultures, and share our passion for these shows. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Black Girl Soul with something else and Song Ray. Today, we'd like to welcome the Blurred Explorer. We discovered him on Instagram and have been following him there. He's joining us to discuss his second book, The Black Traveler's Guide to Daegu, South Korea. If you haven't kept up with him or you're not in the know, he had a first book published in 2020 called The Black Traveler's Guide to I'm going to say this wrong, so you have to correct me. <laughs> Incheon. Incheon, South Korea. Thank you very much. Yeah. Welcome, and thank you for reaching out to us. It's not a one-sided fandom, if you will. I saw an interview, and you kind of did a media blitz. Is that how you found us? Basically, yes. Tell us more about yourself. What are the deets on you? What's your government name, if you want to share it? Uh, yeah, so I'm Phil. I'm from uh, South Carolina. I graduated college in uh, 2015, uh, went to 2015. And my background story is I was in my last semester of college around, you know, September, October, you know, like all seniors do, you're trying to find a job, sending out resumes, cover letters, nothing sticking, can't find nothing, right? And then one day I saw this list uh, on my university job board about teaching English in South Korea. And I said, all right, let's check it out. Let's do a little bit more research into this. And so I did my research. I thought, okay, this might be something I'd be interested in because I always wanted to travel as a kid, but I just didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I didn't know any other Black person who's traveled abroad. And the only time I ever heard about that is usually because people were in the military. And I, I didn't want to join the military just to travel overseas. No, no, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I came to South Korea back in uh, May 2016. So it's now been officially been five years since I've been in South Korea. And I've been here since. All right. That's a long time. So tell us what made you choose to call yourself the Blurred Explorer? Well, I, I actually was kind of rebranding. Uh, my first title was called The Minority Traveler. Well, I first time my own blog. Okay. But, uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, like, like if any bit, sometimes, you know, you want to, like, you change your name, you want to, like, you know, rebrand your image, right? Right. And so I reason chose Blurred. It's short for Black Nerd. I thought, okay, what's something that I like? I like gaming. I like travel. I like food. And I combine all those things together. Well, I appreciate that you're out there because more and more Black people are traveling and I'm trying to travel more. I traveled abroad as a child. And so it's like just a third eye that opens up as um, a Black person, especially when you see something other than like American everything or, you know, everything through the lens of America. So having you out there doing this kind of work is just, I'm grateful for it because a lot of us need to see that we're traveling. Um, So was that the catalyst for you to jump from tourist and expat to travel guide author? Because I mean, it's one thing to like think it, but you took it the next level and actually did it. Yeah, uh, for one, I guess for me, you know, I was doing my research about traveling abroad, like living overseas. This is like in the late 2010s, of course. And I, I was concerned, you know, worried because 
I'm pretty sure you know, like I said before, like when you look at the travel and tourism, like when it comes to YouTube, blogs, websites, most of them are used up from a white perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good content I love and they have some great advice. Sometimes, you know, a black person's experience are, is going to be completely different than white persons. Like those, especially when you travel in Asia, for sure. And I guess my rebranding at home with the two books I wrote, these travel guides, is more of, Kind of like are you put up or shut up, basically. Like mm. complaining about it. Like okay, you know, wishing that oh, why don't these big, you know, lonely playing night geos make travel got some black people? I'm like okay, you know what? That's it. I got to put up or shut up. You know, basically. So I said okay, let me just take a leap of faith, see, make these. Let me have my first book in 2020. Try it out and see if there's a hit, if there's a man for a type of product. And okay, I figure okay, why not? Let's go into this. Now another reason I started to do this thing is um. I remember reading, I think about a year or two ago, I saw this uh, study done, I think it was called the Mandela Institute, like a market research group. And they said that uh, the African-American tourism industry is expected to be about $68 billion. This is a 2018 study. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So imagine, now I'm pretty sure that's, again, you know, pre-COVID. So imagine post-COVID when everyone's starting their back to travel again. Right. (laughs) And I'm a business major, so I'm not really an educational business major. So I see that I see the potential to be doing this market, like you know, exclusively doing black people because again, it's an underserved market, underrepresented. There's a huge demand for this type of black travel content and travel groups. So it's like, why not hop on that bandwagon? So let me ask you this question: Have you ever heard of the Green Book? The Green Book, yes, I've heard of it. I heard stances, but um, I probably got more into it when uh, was it the movie came out? When I learned a little hmm. bit more about it. What Lovecraft Country? Yes, I'm the Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was the movie, the Green Book, or if it was Lovecraft Country, because a lot of people really took to, like, doing that kind of research when that show came out. Right. And so I referenced it just to kind of wonder, like, was that your mind frame when you decided to start writing these types of books? Because, you know, these are very well written. They're interesting. They keep you, you know, involved. So was that your thought processing when you were starting? It was. And... I guess I want to do something a little bit different because I know also you know YouTube you could be more popular, it's more easier to do. I could definitely you know blow up for sure. But for me, when I write these books, I have more control. I feel like th- I'm not under like pressure, like I said, like like other YouTubers, like you gotta put out videos like every day, every week, you know what I'm saying? And here right. writing ebooks, like for me, it's like okay, I can take my time, I know what I'm doing. And if I ever feel burnt out, I can always take a break and come back later. And nothing's going to, you know, I'm not going to be you know, hurt by it. Okay. Right. Because one of the things I appreciated was that your book was so accessible. Yeah. Um, and you're a really good writer. Like, you're very clear. So, I mean, have you always been a good writer? Or did you read travel books? Yeah. <laughs> because if someone said, hey, write a travel guide, I'd be like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess so. Like, I mean, I did write in college, mostly like video game reviews and stuff. But uh, I, I guess, honestly, I never would have anticipated that I would end up doing this side hustle type of thing. Like, you know, in the writing travel books. Like, right now, these two books, um, I realized, okay, this could be like something that I could do like as a side gig, future side gig. So I was like, why not continue to do so? So now I'm next, I plan to actually write a whole travel guide for all of South Korea. Okay. Okay. You answered one of our other questions because yeah. I was like, you can't just stop with two bucks. Like, you're going to yeah. have to keep going. No, no, I ain't going to stop. 
And speaking of which, I mean, you kind of mentioned like, you know, the difference between ebooks and like, say, a YouTube. Do you have like other outlets for this kind of information? Do you have a YouTube channel? Because uh, I, I didn't don't. see anything like that. Yeah, I don't right now. Um, and I mean, I just recently started TikTok. I upload like three videos at the Boy Explorer. So mostly my Disney movie, like travel and food basic. Okay. Well, since you're talking, what other places can people find your content besides Instagram? Uh, Instagram and also got my website called theblurredexplorer.com. Immediately at the time of recording, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and update it. So I need to work on that. Mostly because uh, I've been just too busy with the new job and everything. Well, that's not a bad thing when you're busy with work, when you're getting paid. Exactly. But yeah, because I've seen a lot more... Um, traffic on like YouTube sites, like with these, what they call digital nomads, if you will. Yeah. And so I just didn't know if you were going to like translate that into some kind of like show, or if you were going to even be a tour guide for people who come to Korea. I mean, I don't know if that's something you ever considered, but I was I was like, oh, the sky's the limit for the things that you could do based on yeah. what you already know and you're personable. Yeah. At one point in the second book, you talk about how like you have the do's and don'ts, if you will. Yeah. And you mentioned that you have to act right <laughs> when you're overseas because, which should be obvious, but don't act a fool overseas because as Black people, fortunately and unfortunately, we are considered ambassadors so I was just wondering like if you could usher in others (laughs) who want to who want to travel through South Korea yeah I mean so I I have actually thought about was like starting a YouTube channel but I I guess I just never had the I guess motivation or drive to really push myself to do it especially since um for a while like especially last year I got put on furlough so you know so more, I was more concerned about trying to find another job, right? Mm-hmm. And now that I'm more, I guess, now I find a new position, I got a new job at my elementary school, uh, which I started back in March of 2021. I guess it's more like I want to make sure I'm in more financial, more comfortable position before I actually start more adventures. No, that makes sense. <laughs> and so for me, I guess the one thing I wondered uh, as we're having these conversations, I know that there are several people who have come, who are there, who have like YouTube groups and channels and they do meetups and things like that. Do you participate with any other expats that are there that are uh, from the U.S. that are Black? Uh, I mean, I do meet other expats. I have a friend of mine, Brandon. Uh, he actually did, you probably, if you looked at the book, he did a translation work in there for me. For his, Okay. Uh, there's a picture of one other Black man in the group, in the group that was him. Uh, he actually okay, did translation okay. work for the menus. So shout out to him for that. You shout out. But for me, uh, maybe, I mean, I'll be other expats, maybe other, you know, groups, especially like, uh, but of course, because of COVID, I just haven't really socialized as much. Mm-hmm. I did see that you had the section in the book where you asked other people questions. And that was very helpful because I liked your anecdotes, but you know, you weren't as gossipy. You had stories here and there, but they really were honest (laughs) up to a point. And so it was interesting to kind of get those differing perspectives. Yeah. Even though you're pretty well-traveled in South Korea, how many cities have you been in over those five years? Uh, I lived in, I lived in uh, Jinju, 
uh, Busan for like a month, uh, then Masan, Masan Changwon, uh, Daegu, Andong, and then I moved to Incheon back in uh, early 2020 to start a new job at a public school. And that didn't work out. And now I'm in the new city of Uljin, which is on the East Coast. Mm. Hmm. Okay. So you were staying away from places like Seoul, because I think you said something in the book about that. <laughs> Talk about the difference between the food in, in Daegu and Seoul. Yeah. Uh, the reason, so uh, once people actually did ask me, one friend said after this, why don't, why don't cover Seoul and Busan? I told them, like, one, it's oversaturated. Like, Seoul, first off, Seoul's boring, it's whack. No, I'm joking. But uh, the reason, <laughs> no, nah, no, but uh, jokes aside, the reason I did, I focused mostly on, like, uh, Daegu and the other city, and the Inchon's one, because, like I said, uh, it's oversaturated. Like, you can find so many, so much information on Seoul and Busan, like, in the instance, really. And I feel like I wouldn't stand out if I did another travel guide for Seoul or Busan. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, again, this, since you can use a more test drives, like to test the market, I figured let me do these cities first, you know, try to see if people like it before I actually try to go deep into, say, uh, Seoul and Busan. So why Daegu? I think you answered, but like as far as how much you enjoy it, why do you yeah. enjoy Daegu over the other cities that you've been in? Uh, well, I actually did live there for a time. Uh, I felt like it was the right uh, size, medium-sized city. And if Daegu, like, show me some love, I want to show me some love back, right? Mm. And I feel as though Daegu, like, if you want, to, I guess, more real Korean experience, because, like, if you go to Seoul, right, it's going to be it's gonna be such a touristy trap, like Metro City. So I want to show people that, hey, if you want more, I guess, Korean experience, try to go outside the major cities, go somewhere else, you know? And save a little bit more money, too, at, at the same time. And also, I guess, because what happened in 2020, like, Daegu was the epicenter of COVID at the time. Mm. Uh, You know, went crazy. And so I kind of wanted to, like, try to help out the way I could. Bring some positive light to the city. Yeah. Okay. So you have a lot of food porn in your guide. Like, we get it. You're a foodie. Like, no one's going to make yeah. that mistake. And yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that because first you dropped some fighting words early in the guide when you said that the food in Daegu was more delicious than in Seoul, right? Yeah. Did you take to the food right away? I mean, one, why is it better in Daegu? And two, did you take to Korean cuisine like right away or did you have to start off slowly? Uh, of course, like, man, it took us, like, when you first moved to another country, I took, I took the time, like, to, you know, to start us slow, you know, kind of get used to the food and everything. So was that a hard transition for you, getting used to their cooking compared to American? Uh, for sure. Uh, especially when it comes to fried chicken, for sure. <laughs> uh, is that a, is that a joke or for real? Because I mean, I've seen them fried chicken and it's slightly different. <laughs> Yeah, but no, uh, how was it? Yeah, I guess for me, I guess I get used to the fact that how, uh, like in American food, like I have so many options, like diverse type of foods, whatnot. Admittedly, not the best healthy food, of course, but I mean, I'll admit it's nice to be able to live in a country where they have a lot more, I guess, vegetables and such in their dishes and the side dishes and such. And I, I feel as though, see, from what I gathered other research, it seems like most people can agree that they use food seems more, I guess, traditional, more, it's not, a, I guess it's like more slowed down in a way compared to Seoul where it's like, you gotta eat quick and go. Mm. 
That's interesting. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Is it just like because the city is so fast, like a kind of maybe a New York? Yeah. Is it like you have to go to a big restaurant to get more of the the real experience in Seoul? But in Daegu, you can kind of get that fuller meal or more um, complex setting or something? Uh, I would say yes. Like you get to, well, because you know, Daegu is a bit a little more slow down, people more relaxed. Even though Daegu is a little bit more conservative compared to Seoul and Busan, but you still get a chance to, like, I guess, kind of relax. And at the same time, if you want to, you can also join country vibes because, you know, when you go further out from the biggest from the downtown area, you get to more, I guess, rural ish parts of Daegu. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess this is more like the change of pace, I would say. And so I guess this is just leading into the next question is, wouldn't it be easier for an American, especially an African-American, because I am aware that we are going, it's a country that is homogeneous. They are Asians and they are, have their people there. And so everyone else is an expat or a visitor. So wouldn't it be easier for someone like us to come in and go to a Seoul or Busan, as opposed to a smaller city like Daegu? Why do you suggest a more traditional city and a more traditional Korean slower setting than where it's multicultural? Well, for one, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If Seoul is on your list, then go for it. Let's, let's, let's make that clear. I, I reason I kind of choose these other cities because I feel as though it's, to me, I, I guess maybe it's my type of travel. It, I guess it's like too easy. Like anybody can go to Seoul, like you'll find a lot more, I guess, English menus you know, touristy trap restaurant. Mm. So I guess I want to show people, hey, if you're looking for non-touristy trap, kind of something to do, something different, try this city instead, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is out of the blue, but the nerd in me, uh-huh. the slight learning me needed to understand this. What is PC Bangs? Oh, PC Bangs? Yeah, they're basically like computer cafe. So you go to computer cafe, uh, take a ticket and put in like a you know X amount of money and then you can play whatever download and play whatever PC game you want. Just hang out all day for like you can pay like a dollar to just play for one hour of PC whatever Steam game you have or uh, uh, you play or uh, Origin games you play on PC at home. Yeah. So so what culturally is because we see them in the dramas mm-hmm. all the time. And of course, it's not a thing that really ever took off in America. So why is it because they don't want to spend the money on gamer computers? Or like, what is the draw other than, you know, why not at home? Ah, Or do they have them at home and they just go there to socialize? Yeah, well, most uh, socialize a little bit about that. But um, I think most Asian cultures, like I think in Korea, like, They've never really been a console gamers. Like, everybody's mostly PC-based. So, and I think for a time, uh, in South Korea particularly, consoles like Nintendo, PlayStation, they were kind of banned for a time. And then mm, over the no. years, uh, they kind of slowly, you know, came to the market. And plus, also, it's a lot more expensive, too. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I've heard gaming is expensive there. Yeah, yeah. So, now, nowadays, uh, obviously, there are a lot more console games like play PS4, is not popular, especially Nintendo Switch. The Switch is very, it's incredibly popular over here. Uh, especially because of the Switch, now there's a massive uh, Super Smash Bros. scene here in Korea. It's massive. Like, I saw it, 
I was there when it was on the, the the Wii U. Like it was as popular, but when a Switch came out, and then it came popular, kept selling out over here in Korea. And then when Smash Bros. Ultimate came out, it was the that was it. Like there were tournaments, so many events going on, especially in Seoul too. Like I actually started a Daegu Super Smash Bros. tournament scene in Daegu uh, to give people, Koreans and players and native and expats an option to say, hey. You don't have, always have to go to Seoul to play in tournaments because it, it does get expensive to travel there on the weekends. Mm. But uh, electronics here in Korea, unfortunately, they are very expensive. So, like, everything you're going to go here, try to buy a new latest Samsung, LG, or iPhone, you're going to pay a lot more money here than you would back in the U.S. So, I mean, if you want okay. yeah, to pay for it, go for it. But honestly, just save wait and save your money to buy the electronics at home. Okay. Okay. This is a question that actually some Ray should ask, mm-hmm. but she doesn't completely claim it. Like every time I've traveled, I've known her for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every time we've traveled to a city, she has found the hood. And like, if she's lived there, she yeah. <laughs> she gives a tour of the hood. So what are the hoods <laughs> like in South <laughs> Korea? Because when we watch these dramas, I mean, we yeah. fully understand that these are stylized, romantic, and, you know, very um, unrealistic yeah, versions yeah. of South Korea. But so we don't get to see like the true variations. Right. I mean, so I don't think, unless I've seen like a crime drama, I haven't seen anything that is hood-ish. So, I mean, what does that look like <laughs> compared to American hood? What hood? Like, that's that's the question I would say is like, what hood? Like, mm, okay. Yeah, like, no, that's not be like smart or anything, but uh, like here in Korea, like housing-wise, basically, you know, uh, here is more like, there's pressure to like, like in America, like you gotta get the nice house, cars, kind of you know, keep up with the Joneses, right? Type of thing mentality. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like Korea, you gotta have that nice big premium apartment. Hmm. Of course, uh, not everybody can afford it because, like you know, the deposits on here are ridiculous. Like we're obviously expensive. Like you gotta get a loan to get those. So yeah, when you come to Korea, don't expect to have like some big unless you got the money for it. Of course, don't expect to like. Like, I guess my house situation, like, for me, for example, like, I mean, it's a nice place. I got space, but at the same time, like, the, on the outside, it's pretty old. Like, I would say looks like it was built, like, in the 80s or 90s, something like that. Okay. But, like, usually the older apartments tend to be nicer on the inside because, you know, got a lot more room compared to, like, the newer apartments that are being built. Yeah, because I was just trying to get a feel for, like, I don't know even my mom when she's <laughs> when she first uh moved to my city she was trying to find uh-huh. she was trying to figure out okay where do the poor people look like what do the middle class people look like okay where are the wealthy people like how is it but we don't get to really get that view so it's good to kind of yeah. get a feel for how when you got there what you had to pick from and was it really a culture shock as far as your living situation yeah. uh of course you know I was going from like living in a state where it's like mostly just black and white, going to be like the only few uh, expat, non East Asian, you know, again, like you said, homogenous, you know, being nation, of course. Uh, so it definitely was that closer to you know, being, oh my God, I'm actually standing out hard. Like I always stand out everywhere I go because I'm six, seven, 17 years <laughs> tall. So I stand out everywhere. Ah, uh, yes. But being a black man, a giant black man here in Korea, I stand out hard. Like I can't hide anywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> that must be funny. Like, did you meet your neighbors? And they were like, what? <laughs> uh, I mean, no one ever talks to me because, uh, but I'm not worried about that. But uh, everywhere I've been, like, all the jobs I worked at, you know, like for a lot of the students, like most of it was uh, probably the, the first black person they see up close in person. Mm. Or I've been like, the first black teacher they ever had or black male teacher. Heck, we have problems mm. like that in America. <laughs> like having enough, having enough black male teachers. So, hey. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and so, you know, they always talk about um, the stereotype, at least, is, you know, that yeah. crime is less of an issue in Asian countries. Is that true of South Korea? For sure. Uh, I mean, there is crime, of course, like anywhere. But I think the difference is like, if you commit a crime, you kind of like you put shame on the family because mm. you know most Asian cultures like it's all about the family, right? So if you do embarrass mm-hmm. the family, you basically shame just you you brought great shame to everybody, and everybody thinks you're oh you're a failure or a family or a father or a mother because your child went to jail committed this crime, and of course you know if you get caught with a crime, you you got a rap sheet, then you know you probably won't be able to get a decent job anywhere. We're like in the U.S. with like, unfortunately, there's kind of like a, there isn't that level of shame or like push not to do crime, I guess you could say. All righty. So one of the questions, just mm-hmm. coming back to the concept of culture and being a different and standing out. So we know that you enjoy being there because, you know, you've been there for a while. You, you know, wrote books about it. So obviously yeah. it's something you're enjoying. But what are some of your pet peeves about being there? Like, what are some things that you kind of just... Oh, uh, I really wish it wasn't this way. Uh, for me, buying clothes. <laughs> Tell us about that. Now, we both read it, but we would surely love for you to share with our listeners. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, I put this in the book that uh, if you're big and tall, like just so you can bother shopping, like if you got weight on you, like especially you're kind of a bit obese or very obese, got a big chest, mm-hmm. like my height, I'm tall, like just don't even bother trying to go clothes shopping. Like, I mean, you might have some luck at H&M. Maybe in Seoul, you might have a little bit more luck, but it's just, to me at least, like, I don't see the point of trying to go clothes shopping when I got to drive, ride the, the bus to go to Seoul on a weekend just to go clothes shopping for, like, five hours on the bus. Like, that's just not worth it. Wow. It's just not worth the hassle. I'm not going to do that. Is this with all clothing that you're having an issue? Yeah. Shoes as well? Because I saw in the book you mentioned shoes too, because I thought that was interesting. Shoes, I may have some luck, quote unquote. Just no, again, no promises. But uh, yeah, but everything else, clothes, shirts, pants, like now Korean culture, like most Asian culture, it's all about looking slim and thin. So okay, that's always, that's always, the, that's how it is. That's how they advertise their products. That's how like, you know, to the advertisements, the models, stuff, everybody's thin, right? Like there's no obesity. There's no big girls on there. Like, so that's just, that's, just the culture. <laughs> that's always has been, it's not always going to be, it's not going to change. So if you're, if you're a big girl, don't, don't think you're going to change anything because that's how it's going to look. And also keep note, uh, and eight in Korea, part of the other Asian cultures, like they're gonna be blunt about things. Like they're gonna ask, so don't be offended if somebody asks you if you're how old you are, why you're so fat, uh, if you're single, if you get if you're married, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. So the also back to the because with the clothing, I'm mm-hmm. uh, kind of wondering what do you do then if you're not going there to shop? It's not where you're located. What do you do? Oh, I just, uh, buy clothes from like Amazon, wherever I have it shipped there. 
Okay. So you online shop. Yeah, that's online shop. Like I'm since it's closed, I'm not in a huge rush to get them. I can take my time with that. Yeah, I mean, you're a guy, so chances are it's like you know what you like, and if you get enough of that, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> because we're thinking, oh my God. <laughs> The seasons have changed. We need new clothes. Oh, yeah. man. So also along these same veins, because you mentioned, you know, you get asked these questions and they're very blunt. You uh, said people might ask you about your dating status, like if you're married, single. So are you married in, over there? Or are you single? Uh, no, yeah, I'm single right now. So how does that work for you? Are you dating while you're there? Like, what's the dating scene like in South Korea? Uh, whomever you're interested in, how do they respond to Black men? From what I gather, it's more of a, how can I say, it's like more of a fetish, I guess you could say. Like, there is a thing now, it's more common, like, say, to have, oh. um, uh, how can I say, for example, like, if you want to, I, I guess, it's like, if you get a white guy, then you're good. Whereas, like, you bring home a Black guy, it's like, it's kind of like that stigma mm. of, uh, I guess they're all because of stereotypes or whatnot. Like they're afraid, they're afraid that right. their grandchildren might have dark skin. Mm. Which is interesting. I was watching a drama today and it's here in America, yeah. but the family, it was like a birthing center. So mm-hmm. they have a house and they bring in women to have their kids on U.S. soil. And then they send them back, you know, to because I think this was, they were Chinese. But in which case the mother was talking to her daughter in their native language and she, the daughter had a black husband uh-huh. and she said so you're sticking this out you're just not gonna let this go and the daughter was like well no I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna stay with them and she said now I asked you to let this go so the mom was like well I have to try I can't stop being your mother I'm gonna keep trying as long <laughs> as I can but it made me go yeah. wow you just the woman has kids she's married like what the world she was not letting that go <laughs> yeah so I wondered how realistic was that that people just really they're not They'll, you know, we'll let it pass, but I'm not really feeling this. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, like, it's more common, like, I guess, like, say for Black men and women on the straight and gay side, it's more like, kind of like, you know, it's a hookup, basically. Like, mm. you got to hook up with them, but you ain't going to bring the home to mom and dad. Ah, uh, okay. Which, you know, that's like America. <laughs> yeah, it's like the white girls. Like, they'll hook up with the Black man, but ain't going to bring home to mom and daddy. Right. And just throwing a little bit of colorism. I mean, that's that's the world over. So, yeah. Now, you also got to remember, like, so in Asia, historically, right, uh, there's always been a preference for lighter skin. Right. This all, now, for those who don't know, like historically in Asia, but especially East Asia, right, uh, those with lighter skin usually were part of the wealth nobility class. So they didn't go outside all the day. Whereas, you know, those with more tan, darker skin in Asia, they're your right, poor white the poor uh, rice farmers and stuff who are outside all day, every day, mm. you know, farming and everything. So, so it's always been that way. Like having lighter skin means you're wealthy. You got, you got money. You have to be outside like those oil poor peasants. Mm. Yeah. It's always been historically. So don't be surprised uh, if for those who are dark skin listening and uh, you know, people ask about your skin tone, why you're so dark and all that jazz. But again, it's just always been a culture. It's always been ingrained that way for centuries. I'm trying to remember. Wow. Was it you or someone else who talked about their? Um, I think I think I saw some video maybe about um, some teacher, a dark skinned teacher and a black male teacher, 
And his kids asked him if he was chocolate, <laughs> like, you know, and it's just like, you can put, you know, I think uh, only so far can you put a spin on it, especially with children yeah. to kind of like destigmatize and kind of, you know, this isn't that bad. <laughs> this isn't bad at all. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, again, like, especially for young children. So that's, I mentioned the book, like, you know, all foreigners get stared at, but as a black person, you look at the most stares, like out of anybody, of all demographics. Uh, so as a dark skin person myself, uh, I had students, you know, especially like very young children over with the kindergartens and stuff, like they don't know they're young, so they don't know any better. Uh, and then again, they're just kids, it's all out of curiosity because again, there's not something that they see on the regular. So I had kids, you know, ask me, can I touch my skin? I remember one, <laughs> I remember, um, back in like 2017, I want to say one of my kindergarten students, like every time I'm I wear like put my you know cocoa butter lotion on. The kids, some of the girls, would try to sniff my hand and say, "Teacher, chocolate smell." I'm like, "Stop! This is, my <laughs> this is creepy." <laughs> like, oh. Wait, did you say cocoa butter? Yeah. Oh yes. my god! And see, that's so quintessentially <laughs> black that it's like, yeah. hey, you know, yeah, cocoa butter is black. <laughs> that is funny. But again, like you said, one of the things I think a lot of people also need to keep in mind because, you know, we follow different blogs and different posts because of the content that we carry, which is, you know, Korean uh, and not just Korean, but Asian dramas and television. And we, you know, talk to people who are either could have gone there, been there, people who, you know, are just uh, interested like we are, but in which case that might say things or get offended by things and you have to remember we are dealing with a culture that is truly ignorant on who we are and how we function. Cause that's not something they've ever had to do. Right. Exactly. And, um, I remember, uh, actually you know, last month from our fourth graders, we were doing, a t- we're talking about, you know, our family. Right. And so I did a zoom call with my sister and my cousin and a friend of mine who's like a brother to me. He's like, I want to show them like, you know, different groups, different, you know, black people. Right. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, different shades of skin tones. So, which actually helped a lot too. Of course, they were curious, they asked questions and such. So, let me put it this way: for me, black people in Korea, uh, we were known. We, you know, me black people, we got referred to as Oprah, Obama teacher, mm. LeBron James. Oh, and probably other hip hop artists. Nowadays, because of the movie, uh, oh, Black Panther, refer, you know, Black Panther. Yes, I knew it. Oh wow, hilarious! Right. Wakanda Forever like, kids. Teacher, Wakanda teacher, Black Panther teacher, teacher. You're from Wakanda. <laughs> oh wow! It's like yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, we'll take it. Oh, that's we'll take hilarious. It. Yes. No, I mean because we talk about the dissemination of entertainment we've known for a long time that black shows black yeah. culture travels and only I'd, I'd say since in the last one 15 years you know a, a little bit after or a little bit before song ray and i started watching dramas have we seen like especially south korean what did they call it hallyu or whatever the hallyu wave when they really try to push out their entertainment because that really informs what people learn about other cultures. So, you know, you're mm-hmm. a little bit less afraid of the big black guy if you're like, oh, Wakanda. <laughs> yeah, because, exactly. <laughs> and it's the flip for us because I, I think it was just purely that 
in this case, South Korean dramas were just that good that we kind of got fixated because otherwise maybe we wouldn't have taken to it so much. And of course, that's what our, our whole, you know, podcast is about but i mean how about you what kind of entertainment do you enjoy from south korea are you you a k-pop fan (laughs) or do you or do you just enjoy sightseeing like what are you into in south korea now personally i am uh i never really i mean i watched a few you know clips here on on netflix of k-dramas and shows i never had a chance to sit down really sit down and watch them but so far, as like what I've seen, uh, K-pop music-wise, I don't really, honestly, I just never got around to it. Like, <laughs> I just never really sat down to really sit down and really listen to the songs. Just never really, not just because I don't, li- I don't know Korean anything, it's just, I just never sat down to listen. But like, usually do it when I'm off, off doing that teaching, usually you can catch me playing games, uh, going outside, taking pictures. Like yesterday, I went around, uh, my town old you know, like this coastal beach town you know started doing some pictures and stuff so i'm gonna go back out there later today to some more shots okay. uh also do some hiking uh reading books too i love reading and yeah i also got recently got into cooking and baking too uh, that makes sense as the foodie <laughs> i mean i think you had either some pictures i saw somewhere or maybe on instagram somewhere that you had talked about going to the beach and getting snacks when you go to the beach. And that sounded so relaxing. Like you go get some fried food <laughs> and then you sit yeah, on the beach. A beach Busan. Okay. Busan, yeah. I was just like, oh, I wish I was there. That looks so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. So to bring us back around, how do you think traveling abroad and specifically living in South Korea has changed you as a person, as a black man? Uh, it changed me a lot more ways than I would have done that I never would have reached if I stayed in the U.S. Uh, one, uh, it's really shown me that, yes, as a black man, as, as an African-American, like, yes, we got the shit, the crappy end of the stick, but we still got a good compared to other folks around the world, like, we still come from first world nation. We have like one of the strongest passports in the world. Like we can literally go almost anywhere compared to like our brothers and sisters in Africa. Like they got to jump through all crazy hoops and bounds just to get a travel visa. Whereas in America, as Americans, like we got our blue passport book, like we just go in, get stamped in and walk go past the immigration gate, depending on the country, of course. Mm-hmm. And also not to mention it's like, it really showed me because when we went to the Philippines, I've really seen I've seen true poverty, mm. like that I never would have anticipated. So it's like, I mean, I get it as black people. Yes, we live we live in the hood. We we've had you know redlining and such, but compared to what we dealt with in America, like it's nothing compared to what I see in the Philippines. It's like we can't complain. We have no excuse to complain anymore. That's the, that's the way I seen it. Is traveling abroad has really shown me has educated me in ways that I probably would never learn. I learned a lot about myself. I learned new skills. Like the biggest skill I learned, I learned to cut my own hair. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Like I had to push myself because I was living in an area where if I wanted to get my own haircut, like I would have to travel to either Daegu or Busan or Seoul just to get a haircut. I'm like, I'm not traveling all these hours, extra hours just to get a haircut on a Saturday. It's not worth it. Okay. So it was like, so I pushed myself to do it. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> usually I don't do anything fancy. I just do a typical buzz cut, go about my day. That's mm-hmm. all I need. <laughs> but uh, 
honestly, and my real goal for my child books, my child platform, I want to encourage more black people, especially black men and young black men to travel. Mm. And I really want to encourage any young person listening to this podcast. Like if you finish, when you finish high school or college, leave your hometown, like go somewhere else. That's the big, one of the other things I wanted to accomplish. That's commendable. And that's a good idea because I think so many times people have this myopic view of what their options are and what they can do. And so everything becomes even that neighborhood. It's like, okay, can you leave your neighborhood? Okay. Can you leave your town? You don't have, maybe you don't have to be gone forever, but at least go out and see how other people live and get some context for I don't know, the Black experience or your experience as a human being. I mean, because how do you think you would have been different if you hadn't traveled? Man, honestly, I'd probably been miserable, unhappy, like, you know, like other Americans going to clock in, working two terrible jobs, being miserable and not living my life. And, and you're right about that. Like, honestly, and the scary part is, like, there's so many Americans who had never left a city or a state, and they're proud of that fact, too, which is crazy. No, I hear you and I feel you because I work in education as well, as you mentioned earlier. And one of the things is whenever I get a chance to speak to young people Mm -hmm. within work environment or family is to share. Please try to leave. Go somewhere else. Travel to a different city. Live somewhere else. See what that's like and travel abroad. You open your eyes when you start making moves outside of what you've been raised in. Yes. I I was trying to get my cousin to travel too because... She's also in education. She's a public school te- elementary school teacher. And before she bought her house, uh, I think last year, I was trying to tell her, hey, listen, man, you got experience. You can go do international teaching, like work at international schools. But she didn't want to do that. She got scared. Like she wanted to be close to her family. And I'm like, and I talked to my auntie, her mom, and she was, she was, we were both agreeing. Like she wished that she could let her go. Like tell her like, you know, go live abroad. She wished she, that you know, my cousin would do the same thing. Like do something else. Go leave South Carolina. And a true story, back in uh, 2016, when me and my friend Jamal, who's like a brother to me, I mentioned before, you know, we're, we just finished college, we're trying to figure out what we're trying to do with our lives, right? And he was telling me that one day, his dad was telling him, like, when you get a chance, leave South Carolina, because they ain't nothing here. Like, wow. go live somewhere else. Like, you, try, you know, he's trying to push him to, like, go somewhere else, like, to leave, you know, get out of the comfort zone. And so he went down to Florida to uh, Full State University, and because he left, now he's working at Florida State, where he's a videographer. He's a camera guy behind the sports team okay. at Florida State University. And it was my thing, what I'm doing with him, doing his things, like, we would never accomplish our goals if we stayed in our own city, in our own state for the rest of our lives. Like, we've never done this, ever. So do you ever have plans of coming back to America, or you're just like, the world is your oyster? Even if it's not South Korea, it's going to be elsewhere. Yeah. It's going to be elsewhere. Uh, I'll come back to visit, but to live in the U.S., uh, I got no reason to move back. I can't think of a reason to move back. I hear that. Like, I mean, as an African-American, like coming from America, like, yes, there's going to be racism, xenophobia here and there. There's going to be pockets, but it's like, I think especially after COVID, COVID's really showing me, it's like, I don't really have, I can live my life. Like, I can go wherever I want to. Like, why should I have to stay in one, sp- one spot for the rest of my life? You know what I'm saying? And so also it's like, unless I have absolutely no choice, I'm not, I don't have any plans to move back. Also the reason I don't plan to move back to the U.S. is because of healthcare, I'm sure. Mm. Healthcare. At least here. Can you expound on that? Sure. Uh, true story. So while I was in Manila in uh, 2019, 
September 2019, uh, I went to you know, I examined, you know, went to the, you know, pussy buys the glasses, right? I decided to pick some new shades up, you know, and I figured why not? Uh, I'm on vacation, sure. And so I paid uh, about $30 for my frames plus some other stuff too, like, you know, eye glass cleaner and stuff. And then my last day of Manila, when I was waiting to go to the airport, I was walking around the shopping mall and I saw they had a dentist office. I thought, okay, let me go see. I haven't had my teeth cleaned in years, like four or five years at the time. So I walked in. And for a checkup and teeth cleaning, that all cost you about forty USD, forty dollars USD. Oh wow! I'm going back you up because I'm sorry. Before we get to the teeth cleaning, sure. for the frames, are you saying literally just the frames, no glass in there? No, no, the frames and glass. Thirty dollars for thirty dollars. About thirty dollars, and also about some other stuff too, like you know, some you know, stuff to clean the glasses and everything in the case. Wow. <laughs> glass <laughs> like that's like that's amazing i'm a glass wearer and yeah that's like whoa no that doesn't happen here in the u.s ever yeah, okay exactly. exactly it's like wow it's like i mean don't get me wrong every country has its pros and cons but it's like at least i know if i ever get sick i can go to the hospital get tested get checked out go home get my prescription go home and not to worry about paying some astronomical bill with even if I have with overfound insurance, I know that, oh, I'm sick. I can go to the doctor, walk out, and go about my day. No problems. Right. I can't do that in U.S. You don't have a bill no. that's going to show up in like two weeks for like, you know, thousands of yeah. dollars or whatever, or hundreds exactly, of dollars. Exactly, exactly. Like, I think I read a story somewhere. Like, somebody told me how uh, in South Korea, they had, they, got, they had their baby here. A woman had a baby here. And it cost them about $2,000, I think. I think I gotta look at that. And that's yeah, I was about to say that's that's um awesome because yeah. That's where everything, the delivery, the whole pay and stuff like that. It's like, damn, it was like you know it's funny to me. Those are America, reasons right there to move. Yeah. And you know it's funny to me in America. There's so many Americans, both Democrats and Republicans, who don't want Medicare for all, but yeah. yet though why they go to Canada or Mexico get healthcare. Right. And it's like because it's cheaper. Yeah, I'm like, do you not see the hypocrisy in this? Like, right. You because you don't want socialism, socialist medicine, but you're glad you go to a country that has socialist medicine. Let's not even go into it because that's gonna prices. make me mad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's gonna make me mad. But okay, so I have to ask this question. I hope I ask it well. What is it about you or your history? that kind of turned that light bulb on and said, hey, I need to do something different or I need to get out of here? Was it just like, you know, your hometown was just like not it? Or was it that you were yeah. a reader and you were like, hey, there's something else out there or you're a gamer and it made you interested in like other oh. places because you were playing games that were made by like Japanese or yeah. Korean, you know, um, creators, like what, right. what was the catalyst? Uh, for me, I always, like I, said, I always wanted to travel as a kid. Now I did travel to Germany to visit my dad, when I was, but I was like, when I was like six or seven years old. So I don't remember anything about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't count. I usually don't count that as my first you know, trip abroad. Now I always wanted to go to Japan as a kid because of anime on Toonami Cartoon Network. Okay. But again, like I said, I didn't know how to do that. I don't, how to travel, how can somebody do that thing, do something like that without joining the military? Because, uh, can I ask you guys something? Like, uh, I'm gonna ask all the interviewers out here. 
How many of you know, how many black people that you know have traveled abroad that wasn't military growing up? And I can only say two. See? I can say less than five. And I'm including yeah. myself. <laughs> right. And again, that's what's kind of like made me want to start this platform too, because I mean, yeah, in the last five, three, four years, there's been more travel blogs, Instagram feeds, Facebook, travel feeds, black travel Facebook groups, which is great. But again, we're a small number. So <clears throat> I hope we get to grow more and more over the years. And I hope my stories can help somebody uh, travel and see the world. And it actually somehow it actually worked because I got a friend of mine I went to college with. Uh, he actually came to South Korea and started doing ESL teaching. Oh, that's good. Yeah. To be fair, he was originally trying to come to South Korea because he does um he's an esports coach for a Korean team. Okay. He tried to get a visa for that. They tried to do it for him, but they just couldn't get it because it was a crazy process. So he just decided to try to come, you know, do ESL teaching here as the main as the main hustle while he does the coaching on the side. That's cool. And, okay, and that's that was smart too. Yeah, which is smart. And uh he saw me as a huge resource. So he would ask me a lot of questions about you know coming to Korea, teaching Korea and doing Pogwan and stuff. So so I was his go-to guy, which I was glad to help, of course, because you know it helps to have somebody you know on the inside know something who gave you like the right. who won't like you know who won't like sugarcoat stuff. So uh so he's been apparently he's been grateful for that. And he's still in South Korea now. Well, see, that's the thing. You're proof that it's real. Yeah. I think lots of folks see it on television and it's like, oh, okay, a Black person has traveled. Like, or, you yeah. know, there's a place over there. But you're proof that that thing is real. Like, when you talk to people, I mean, at first I was going to say you're kind of like, low-key you know drug dealer and your drug is like south korea <laughs> you know like hey <laughs> don't you want to try it out don't you want to try it you know it is you you save yeah. money if you come in as a teacher you know like but that kind of thing uh, yeah i'm from i'm i'm terrible i'm from not the money part because i am terrible i've been terrible like saving money well yeah that's one of the stereotypes too i mean and you can speak to that you know for those people who are interested in coming over as a teacher you know that if you that it's everything is so much cheaper and so or somehow it's cheaper and yeah. you end up saving lots of money i guess if you want to like is that true or is it just you just break it's even? possible like unless like again, me literally for me my weakness is food of course so i spent pre-covid i spent way too much money on going out to eat buying stuff on amazon have shipped stuff so i was i was this was during my late 20s, so I was careless with my money. And unfortunately, I mean, I should have known this lesson already, but it really it took me to COVID to realize, okay, I got to start seeing money and do better. Yeah. And when I was furloughed, too, especially the lesson came hard when I was furloughed. Like, I was working for, like, almost eight months on a reduced salary. I still got paid, but, like, on a reduced salary. So, and, uh, I told myself, like, once I get a new job, I'm going to start saving. Now, admittedly, I haven't done that bad, but but mostly I've mostly been paying back people who helped me out, who, who let me borrow money while I was doing my low, lowest points. Mm. So now that I paid everything back, now I'm comfortable. Like, now I'm trying to do, you know, a lot better trying to save money. Now, for those who have to say about trying to come to teach English in South Korea, personally, I don't recommend it right now. Mm. I really don't. Is it because they're just coming back from 
COVID and everything else and trying to stand back up and like teaching is um, not a luxury, but not yeah. exactly a necessity. Well, that is mostly because one, uh, apparently there's been like a huge supply of ESL teachers, people trying to come to teaching in South Korea. And so it's like a little demand. Not to mention, if you're looking to say, uh, working for Hagwons or private English academies, a lot of them have shut down because of COVID. So most of them, so a lot of teachers have lost their jobs like, mm. during 2020 and probably even still now. So it's like the risk is like, it's not really worth it, I would say. Now, if you still want to come, I would say wait at least another year or two when things die down and it's safe to travel. No, that's that's good advice because I mean, and it's you know on the ground advice versus just kind of like okay, yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're right there seeing it, and you're like, okay, I have a feel for what's really going on, and it's like because lots of people, I could easily see how someone would think, oh, okay, COVID is it looks like it's over, I'm ready to go, and they're they don't know the market, they don't know what's going on. So, and I just want to ask, I know you said you know, that you're going to do future guides. Are you going to be knocking out those guides like once a year? Cause you did the first one in 2020. Yeah. Um, so I wanted, so this book, debut book, uh, I wanted to do more. There were so many locations and places I wanted to cover, but, but I was only, I was had a limited budget. And unfortunately during the times I had chances to go to Daegu and travel, uh, it was right before cases started going up. So my time was limited. So I couldn't really go out and do stuff. So I'd be really careful. And uh, I might do it year by year. I, I don't know. Again, uh, it's, it's really because of COVID. So it's like, I got to be careful how I do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you can have like a South Korean cuisine cooking show on YouTube. Like, you know, because you can, <laughs> you know, do a little side hustle, get that AdSense money. But Songray, you have the next questions. I know I, I tend to talk a lot, so you go. <laughs> You're fine, because uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I wanted to just um, ask about, and we, we've kind of hit everything I wanted to talk about, but he's answered my questions about, you know, life there, aside from just mm-hmm. the travel guide things. Um, basically, what your interests are while you're there, and then your future because you explained that you do want to now that's what you didn't answer completely and I did want to ask you that again so you said you wanted to travel it wouldn't be back to America which is great what other places are you looking to go to like aside from South Korea uh travel wise either I might do a repeat of the countries I've been to like Taiwan I want to go back but I did because I only did like originally on the three-day weekend so I hope I hope to spend more time there Mm. Or I might go somewhere new like Thailand. Uh, depending on where I go, I might write about, might make a, another guide for, for whatever the country I said I end up going to. Okay. And so all of your travel, you plan to stay in uh, Asia? Uh, for now, at least, I would say, because, I mean, Asia's always been on my mind. I always wanted to travel around Asia. Okay. So me, I still want to travel around Europe, Africa, the Middle East, especially South America, especially the Africa for sure. But for me personally, my travel list, like I'm saying Africa for the best for last. Mm. Okay, okay. <laughs> so um, just to to round it off, is there anything that you, you want to say about 
um, the book or any anything to the listeners to kind of whet their appetites about the this book? Uh, yeah, so if you enjoy, if you're looking to travel, you just don't know where to start or you just need something to read, then of course, pick up these two copies, Black Travel's Guide to Inchon, I-N-C-H-E-O-N, and the Black Travel's Guide to Daegu, D-A-E-G-U. Uh, if you're looking for something to read or you know somebody who loves to travel or just likes South Korea, just go ahead and send it, spread the word about this book. Um, you can find both books. They're available in ebook format only on Amazon right now. Mm. And I believe you'll have a great time with this. Uh, if you ever got any questions or concerns, you know, you can always DM me on Instagram at the Lord Explorer. And so you can follow me there. You can see my story, my adventures. Mm. And I hope... Uh, this story, these stories help you feel more comfortable traveling. And I'm going to say he shares some great posts on Instagram because I, I enjoy looking at them and he, you know, tell you about going to visit certain places, different eating events. Oh, I knew that was one last thing I know I had. The chicken and beer yeah. festival, because you've mentioned it a few times in there. <laughs> the chicken and beer festival. Please tell us a little bit more about that because I see that is something that is super serious for them because they talk about chicken and beer often yeah. in dramas that we watch and we see the advertisements. Right. So, yeah. So, South Korea has a massive obsession with fried chicken. Like, so much, like, no matter where you go in, in, in Korea, like, small country or metro, you will find a fried chicken restaurant almost anywhere. Would be a franchise or a mom and pop shop. So, eventually, yeah. And some, I don't know who create, came up with the idea, but their genius is like, we love fried chickens. Like, why not have a festival about it? So, they, I think they had one to start this chicken, chicken and beer festival in Daegu since like 2013, 2014. And it's been very popular. Uh, I went in 2019, and I'm not gonna lie, I was mad when I found out there's a chicken, this, there was this whole chicken and beer festival while I was living in Daegu. I'm like, wait, I've been living here all this time. I didn't know about this festival. That's rude. It's a, and so I went. It was, it was a lot of fun, too. Um, like I say, so you'll have a festival of beer, fried chicken, other Korean dishes and such. And I highly recommend it. I would say, now, to be fair, if now I, do, I did say this in the book, but in general, like when it comes to food in South Korea, it has a lot of sodium. So you have like, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Be careful about that. And also, mm-hmm. if you have any food allergies, really take precautions if you have food allergies in South Korea if you want to come to South Korea. Because food allergies over here, it's not taken as seriously as, as it is in America or in the Western country. So if you have nuts, sesame allergies, uh, fish, seafood allergies, you're going to have a hard time here. Okay. No, that's good to know. I remember reading that in the book. So let me ask you, is the chicken, because I think you said it, but I didn't understand it completely. It, what's different about their chicken? I mean, is it that are they just fried chicken? Like, it, like for example, if I opened like a black mm-hmm. chicken restaurant in South Korea, would I blow up? I mean, like, I'm trying to no, understand. That, yeah, no, like, uh, I think it's the sauce. Like, they dip the chicken. They have different types of sauces. Like, my favorite is like this chili, this sweet chili sauce. They dip. It's called Yum Yum sauce. Oh. They dip the fried chicken and dip the uh. red chili sauce. Is so good. It's very unhealthy, but it's so good. Okay. And this is what what's the sauce again? It's got it's got young yum sauce. It's 
Because I almost want to go to H Mart and get that sauce to see what I can do. Like, okay, what's that? Yeah, like you can make the sauce at home. Like, try it yourself. Like, now that's a problem. Like, even if you wanted to make your own, like, uh, chicken restaurant here in Korea, like, the competition is like incredibly fierce. So it's like, you got to figure out how you're going to stand up compared to everybody else. Like, how you going to make I'm just joking. I mean, I don't even have the yeah. constitution for that kind of thing. I was just thinking to myself. Yeah, I know. Because when I'm seeing those videos, they don't like, they don't, at least the ones I've seen, they have not overly seasoned their chicken. Like, I'm looking at it going, okay, it's fried, but what do you all yeah. do? So I guess what they do is like coat it, coat them in sauces to like, Right. Okay. Okay. But anyway, Sungray, do you have anything else to ask or? No, that was it. You have covered it thoroughly. I am grateful for your reaching out to us to ask us about, you know, mm -hmm. doing this because I think this was a great idea. This was interesting. And we've now found a new friend who's actually on the ground and we can ask questions. <laughs> so, yes. And, and let me just keep it 100. You may see someone one day in South Korea. Yeah, sure, sure. She's similar to your family member. Like, she has family obligations and things here, but mm -hmm. South Koreans are her people. <laughs> one day you'll be like, have I met you before? And she'll be like, I decided to arrive. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much again for taking this time and all the information and all the stories and and the good books because they are they're well written and they're fun and there are lots of I mean I hate to say it like this but there are lots of nice pictures is yes. and so and you get an authentic view of things uh -huh. versus something that's like you know turned out by some big company that where they just give you like the regular thing like you you're giving more of the inside track so thank you and and good for you congratulations on the good work oh thank you very much yeah if you got any questions do you want me to come back on just feel free to ask i'll try to do my best to help right and if you ever watch any of the korean dramas and you you tend to like i mean i know that you know guys tend to watch them slightly differently my brother watches the asian dramas slightly differently but if you watch one and you want to chat with anyone about it please come on please give us a, a shout out because yeah. that's what right. we do. You can, you can join <laughs> us on Zoom and talk about your show. <laughs> so, okay, you guys, thanks to the listeners. Thanks to the Blurred Explorer. This is Something Else and Song Gray. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Black Girl Soul. We enjoyed having you, and please subscribe, like, and follow our Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter page, Instagram page, and join our Facebook group. You can also find us on Patreon. Please look below for links. See you guys next week.